Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy April, everyone. I can't believe we are in April already. And no, there will be no April Fool's jokes in this episode. I'm not really much of a prankster, but everyone be on the lookout today because I'm sure you have a prankster in your life who is going to try and get you in some way. So this is now the fourth week in my money evoc series that I'm working through with myself. The topic of this week's session was shame around money and any shame that I might be carrying around money still. And this was actually my first session of the year where I did not have a releasing pattern at some point in the session, which means that I will be coming back to the same topic next week to continue working through it until I do have that releasing pattern. And just as a refresher for anyone who might be joining in or for any who forgot, during an Evox session, we go through a series of rounds and there's two things happening within each round. First, we are getting an audio recording or a voice map to identify what emotions are imbalanced. And then we're going into the biofeedback part of that round, which can be anywhere from a minute to four minutes. And during that time period, that is when we are outputting the frequencies that bring the emotions, the imbalanced emotions back into balance. And so we will continue to work through these rounds, diving deeper into whatever the topic is, seeing what else is surfacing from the subconscious until the client has, or myself in this case, has what is called a releasing pattern. And a releasing pattern is just when the system has detected in the tones of your voice, a significantly positive shift. Essentially, it means that something has been released, an old idea has been released, an old wound has been released, and a new perception or belief has been almost accepted by the body or the spirit. But in general, if we hit 12 rounds and the individual has not yet had a releasing pattern, then we will usually close out the session there just because it's a couple things. One, by the time we've hit 12 rounds, that's usually an hour or an hour and a half into the session, which means that we have been at it for a while and you're probably going to be a bit tired at this point. But also it just means that the body, the spirit is needing a little bit more time to digest the biofeedback, to digest the frequencies and the information it's been receiving to continue to mull over it before it's ready to really have that perception shift. And what I love about this is that Evox is not about forcing change. I have had clients just this week, I had a client who said, I want to let this go, but I just don't know if I'm ready. I don't feel ready to let this go. And that is totally okay to stay at that point. Again, it's not about forcing you to get to a place before your body or your spirit is ready to get there. 
But what is so wonderful is that Evox so gently integrates and communicates with our systems to help that change come about in a very, very organic way. And so in general, what I will say is most often clients are having releasing patterns in sessions. And so when there isn't a releasing pattern, it doesn't mean that nothing positive happened. Your body received so many balancing frequencies, so much new information it's trying to integrate. It just needs a little bit more time to process it. And what I have found is the sessions where a releasing pattern doesn't happen tends to be on topics that are just very, very deeply ingrained in the subconscious deeply ingrained fears or limiting beliefs that the subconscious is needing a little bit more almost convincing that it's safe to let this limiting belief or to let this fear go. So using myself as an example, I have been doing Evox weekly for three months now, and this is the first session where I did not have a releasing pattern. I have other clients who maybe they've been doing Evox weekly for four months and only had two sessions where they didn't have a releasing pattern. So again, it's not good or bad. (laughs) I think this is important to distinguish because I do, I have had one or two times a client be a little frustrated that they weren't having a releasing pattern and like almost every voice recording, hoping that I was going to tell them, okay, you had a releasing pattern. And that's great. That means that that person really does want to release whatever it is they've been holding on to. But again, we can't force it. It's not about diving in there and just kind of scrubbing out the old and shoving in the new. (laughs) It's about getting to the root of whatever the fears are or the limiting beliefs or the wounds so that we can, first of all, release the emotions related to that examine what might be contributing to those fears and limiting beliefs and then almost have a conversation with the subconscious where we can say look i don't need to hold on to this fear or this limiting belief anymore and here's why so with all of that said coming back to today's evox session again it was on a broad topic of just shame around money and What I thought was really intriguing about this session was, if you guys recall in one of the previous sessions, I think it was two sessions ago, that what surfaced was that I had a real fear around debt and shame around debt. And going into this next session, this shame around money, I noticed that a lot more shame around debt was coming up, but it was different from the previous session. The distinguishing factor is that the last session, when I got to the end of that session, I felt like just within my own self, I no longer had this shame or fear about debt that I was putting on myself or these judgments that I was putting on myself. I was able to, within my own self, look at the debt that I do have and go, it's okay, you don't need to be ashamed about this anymore and really release that and just feel so confident and secure in in myself despite having some debt what came up in this week's session was actually now (laughs) shame and fear around other people knowing I have debt so it was more of an external thing I think I really made peace with me myself and I and just 
myself knowing I have debt and accepting that. But what came up in this one was a really, really intense fear of, oh my gosh, I don't want people to know I have this debt, which really does sound so silly, particularly because I've been talking about money publicly now on this podcast for four weeks, but it was coming up so intensely. And so what I wanted to continue to peel back or dive into in this session was why does my subconscious associate so much fear and shame with debt? Where is this coming from? What experiences in my own life have I maybe had that have contributed to this? So diving into the session, one of the first things that came up during a biofeedback or an output when you're receiving the frequencies is that this phrase flashed through my mind and the phrase was, they'll abandon me. And essentially what it was related to is people will abandon me if they know I have debt. A lot of imagery was coming up around sharing my debt with close friends and family and just having this immense fear that, oh my gosh, they're going to hate me. They're going to reject me. Thinking in my head, please don't hate me. Please don't hate me for this feeling like as I was imagining talking with them, feeling almost like I was being forced to stand naked in front of the class in shame. Like that was the intensity of the feeling, just like in sharing about my debt with my friends and family. It was like I was completely exposing myself and exposing not just like the beautiful, happy parts of myself, like the most worst, disgusting parts of myself. And then the emotion that came up next was a feeling of if people know I have debt, particularly the people close in my life, then I'm going to lose all of my autonomy. If they know I have debt, uh, they're going to take away access to my bank accounts and my credit cards and whatever funds I have and they're going to regulate me every single day of my life and I'm not going to be allowed to leave the house or spend any money. I'm going to have to ask permission for every single thing I want to do or buy. And even saying this out loud right now, it sounds so bizarre because I have never had a single experience in my life where this happened to me. So it was really wild and shocking to see that this was a fear that my subconscious had been holding on to that if you share the debt you have not only you might be abandoned but also you're going to be you're going to lose all your autonomy and you're going to be trapped and you're going to be under a microscope for the rest of your life and again going through the session i was thinking i have never had an experience where someone abandoned me because of money or how I was spending my money. I've never had an experience that I was being watched under a microscope the way I was spending my money or trapped. And so it really, whenever that happens, it really makes me think about transgenerational trauma. Is there someone in my family heritage who maybe had an experience like this or something similar that could have been passed on to me? And who initially came to mind was actually my dad. I know even though I don't have a very close relationship with him, money has always been a huge weak point for him. And I've said it on this podcast a few times that my family on both sides 
way back in the lineage, I think we have a lot of money trauma and that's going to be a future Evox in this money series is talking, diving deeper into just inherited trauma around money. But just from my own knowledge of my father specifically, he was who came up in this session. And I just was thinking about how he has never managed money well, particularly when my mom and him were married, but also through my entire life, he has never managed money well and really has been in a state of poverty, I think, his entire life. But what it made me think about was, I wonder if he maybe had some feelings of like, I don't want anyone to know what I'm spending money on because if they know, then they'll see that I'm mismanaging my money. And if they know that I'm mismanaging money, then they're going to want to control me and watch everything I do to make sure that I don't overspend or whatever. So of course, this is all very, very hypothetical. Definitely there, I hope, are some conversations I have with my mom, maybe my dad, to get a little bit more clarity on this to see if there's any if there's any truth to it, if it resonates with either of them. What I do know, though, is that when we're in these Evox sessions, the, the names, the faces, the memories that come up are not random. We are asking a question of the subconscious, and it is revealing things to us that maybe we don't always understand the connection right away. But something that came up after I was thinking about my dad was that I really do have this fear that I'll never learn to manage money well and strategically. And I do think that comes from watching my father his entire life manage money poorly and never seem to be able to figure it out. And I realized that I 100% feel this deep fear that, oh my gosh, what if the same will be true of me? What if I'll never be able to figure it out? And I think maybe the even deeper layer there is, what if I'll never be able to figure it out and end up like him in a perpetual state of poverty, which again, is not my life. Thankfully, I'm so, so blessed to at least have a basic (laughs) financial knowledge that I'm not in a state of poverty and I have a wonderful, wonderful source of income. But seeing that this was a fear that had really been brewing or was this subtle current flowing underneath the surface all these years really, really resonated because as soon as that thought flashed through my mind of, I'm afraid I'll never be able to manage money well, it was just like, oh my God, that resonates so much. And so in the session, one of the things I did was just imagining having a conversation with him where I said, if any of this is true, if any of this has been inherited from you, it's not my story. It's not my pain. And I don't need to carry it any longer. And I'm going to give it back to you now. And I had a lot of tears coming out at this point because there is grief around watching someone that you love and know be in a certain state for so many years of their life and so deeply wanting them to be able to get out of that state. And it's not for lack of trying from many of us in his life. And so I think for me, not only was it a release in the sense of if I've been carrying this trauma from you, 
I give it back. But it was also a release in the sense that I was sort of saying like, I'm releasing this responsibility for this person's welfare. I cannot be responsible for the choices that this person makes or has made throughout their entire adult life. I have done my best to provide support and help and different options to help get him to a better point, but I can't continue to do that from a place of responsibility. At some point, I need to give the reins back to him to take responsibility for his own life. And so in the sense of this like financial management, I feel like I was able to really just release this heavy burden of feeling like I need to be doing something about this and just give it back to him. Another thing that came up in the session towards the end was realizing that aside from being taught that I need to maybe save a certain amount and tithe a certain amount, I was really not taught anything else about money. And I don't think this is something that is unique to my experience. I think that this is true of so, so many of us. There's nothing in our education system, at least for the majority of us, right? And at least in my experience, that is giving us some kind of financial education. I think most children who do get a little bit of that, it either came from their parents or maybe they're going to some more advanced private school that has taken this into consideration. But that was not the case for me. And I definitely, there was definitely some anger and bitterness coming up about that. Like, why was I never taught anything real about money? Like taught about credit cards, taught about bank accounts, taught about credit history and credit scores and why that's important. And what do you need to know and do to buy a house one day? What are loans? When would you take a loan out and when would you not? All these different things that are really in this day and age, fundamental aspects of participating in modern day society. And so definitely, I think I released a little bit of anger and frustration around that. And there's no one that I would really put that on. (laughs) Again, I think our educational system can absolutely get an upgrade in terms of teaching a little bit more real life knowledge and skills. And also, I think when it comes to parents, they weren't taught this either. And so I don't think it's something that's necessarily on their radar that they should be teaching. So I don't necessarily hold resentment towards anyone or any institution specifically. And it allowed me to have a little bit more grace with myself in going, you literally have never been taught any of this in maybe a more foundational, comprehensive way. So have a little bit of grace with yourself and also use that to maybe go find some helpful, empowering financial resources. I'm sure there are so many free, free resources out there. So I will definitely be looking on YouTube and Coursera and LinkedIn Learning and all these different places to find some different courses on finances to start educating myself and taking that responsibility. Just like I want those in my life to take their own responsibility. I also need to take my own responsibility for my adult life now and the things that I want to learn and grow. And then the last thing that came up, which is where I ended the session on because I had hit those 12 rounds and still hadn't had a releasing pattern. But this was very, very fascinating and I still haven't figured it out all the way and it definitely is where I'm going to pick up in next week's session. 
what came up was this idea of sometimes when I'm wanting something, it's like, it's almost like a life or death situation. There's so much emotional charge to it. For example, when I want a smoothie (laughs) or maybe I want a new health product and maybe I really shouldn't be spending that money at this point. Maybe I should be saving that money right now, but I still want it so bad and so often I will get the thing. And as I was diving into that deeper, what I started to realize is I have this fear that if I don't get that thing, it's not that I'm giving up the thing, it's that I'm giving up a source of joy. This is pretty abstract, so I'm going to try and explain it in a way that hopefully makes sense. So it was imagining that if I don't get this thing that I want today, then I'm just going to be sad the rest of the day. Or for example, if I don't buy the nice coffee that I really like, then every time I drink the cheaper, more affordable coffee, it's just a reminder that I'm not able to drink the good, healthy, clean coffee that I'm really wanting. If I don't go have that meal that I've been craving all day, then as soon as I say no and I don't give it to myself, the rest of the day, I'm just going to have to sit in sadness. So there is this very interesting connection between sort of fulfilling my desires and joy. But what was so interesting is that what was coming up is almost this fear that if I pass up on one of these things, if I don't get myself the smoothie or the coffee or the new skincare product, I'm going to just have to sit in sadness until the next source of joy comes along. Almost as if joy is finite and sources of joy are finite like i'm afraid that with each within each given day i'm only going to get so many little bundles of joy handed to me and so if i pass up on any one of them i'm going to have this deficit and i'm going to just have to wait until the next source of joy comes along So what it made me realize is that getting the things, whatever they are, whether it's food or products, it's not really at all about getting those things. It's that deep, deep down, I'm craving joy. And I'm so afraid that I'm going to be without joy and that these things are joyful and I need to take them because if I don't, if I don't take advantage of them, if I don't give myself them, I'm going to just be submerged in sadness and kind of a fear that I'll get stuck there in that place of sadness or that if I don't take this source of joy today, there may never be another one coming. It was really profound for me because I have never identified that deeper belief or fear before. And it's really fascinating because I have so many other sources of joy that aren't material. When I go for my morning walk every day, it fills me with so much joy. When I do a meditation, when I go to the beach, just looking out at all the plants in my backyard, I'm filled with so much joy. So it's interesting that again, to me, it's pointing to a deeper subconscious root, a deeper subconscious fear that joy is finite. And in this session, I didn't really get to the root of that. So I'm very, very excited to 
again, continue to peel this onion to see, okay, what is the root of this? Why is my subconscious so afraid that joy is finite? And why does it feel so desperate for that joy? Deep down, is there sadness brewing beneath the surface that needs to to be released? You know, I think when we have some of these emotions deep down, the need for the opposite emotion becomes so much more intense. So for example, when we have insecurities and feelings of unworthiness brewing deep, deep down, then the need for love and approval becomes just exponentially more intense because it's almost like it's trying to appease those inner feelings. And I wonder if that's a little bit of what's going on here. Like maybe the reason I feel so desperate for the joy and so sad when I don't get it is that there actually is a lot of deep sadness that needs to be released that is requiring excessive amounts of joy to keep it calm. So I closed out this session just by having a conversation with my subconscious myself and just saying, look, I don't really know what this is about. I don't know what this fear is for or where it came from. This fear of debt, this fear of being sad forever, this fear that joy is finite, but I know that you're just trying to protect me with these fears and so I thank you for that. But I'm ready to start believing and accepting that joy is infinite and I can find it anywhere, not just in all these little things. I'm so curious next week to explore a bit more about where this might be coming from, this almost just this fear of sadness, this fear that I will get stuck in a place of sadness. Right off the bat, what I already know consciously is that my family does have a bit of a history of depression. And so I'm wondering almost if, is there something generational here where someone in the family line just sat in sadness and depression for years and years and years. And so that trauma was passed on to me. Also, I'm sure that there is more sadness that needs to be released from past experiences in my own life. So it may be a combination of the two. But what I love is being able to step into a place of curiosity, being able to almost separate myself in a sense and become an observer of my thoughts and feelings and the memories that are coming up so that they're less emotionally charged. I can step back and observe them from a place of, okay, these are all signs and symptoms pointing me to something deeper. And I don't need to be afraid of them. I don't need to be afraid that they're going to stick around forever, even though sometimes it really, really feels that way. And sometimes all the answers don't jump out at us in one session. Again, so often... We are able to get to the roots of so many of these things within one session. And this is one of those more rare instances where some limiting beliefs and some fears were coming up and the root cause of them didn't reveal itself to me yet. And so for me, it's a sign that this is something deeply ingrained for me and my subconscious, my body, my spirit is needing a little bit more time to sit with it and to integrate this information before really releasing it and just completely changing its perception. Again, even without a releasing pattern, the body has absorbed all of these positive balancing frequencies that are really at their root, their information. 
And so that in and of itself is so powerful at helping regulate the nervous system a little bit better, making the body and the mind feel safer in addressing this. Sometimes the body is able to take those frequencies, to take that information that we're outputting into it and process it and make shifts really, really quickly, which is usually what is happening in most sessions. But sometimes again, it just needs to mull over that information a little bit longer. It can definitely be a little bit frustrating to get to the end of a session and feel like, ah, what? Why didn't you reveal the answers to me subconscious? Or I really wish I could have gotten to the bottom of this. Again, most often we do get to the bottom of so many things. But that's one of the things I love about doing the Evox myself weekly is that I know I know exactly what it feels like to be a client, to be a patient of Evox. I know the frustrations that can come with it. I know the fears that can come with it. So I can so, so deeply resonate with clients and the things they're feeling going through Evox. The other thing I'll say here is that I always like to suggest leaving a minimum of three days between sessions. Most clients do them on a weekly basis. So there's usually about five days between sessions or so, five to seven days. But like, for example, with me having this session and not having a releasing pattern, I'm probably going to give it about three days and jump into the next Evox on this topic to continue it a little bit sooner. So I'm not going to make myself wait five days. And you as a client don't have to either. If you're like, look, I want to get back into it. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Give it three days for your body to continue to integrate the frequencies it's received. And then we can dive into it much quicker. You don't have to wait five to seven days for the next session. So that's it again. Happy April, everybody. And hopefully next week we will have some more revelations and root causes related to this topic that I will be able to share with you all. 